Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. It's a good day to be alive. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. A few years ago, Pastor Greg Balin called me one day. We would call call each other regularly and, and just talk. He called me one day. He said, if you know Pastor, if you're familiar with Pastor Greg, his voice, you're like, nah. <laughs> what? Anyway, he said, he said, how do you know if someone is saved? It's the first thing he said on the phone. So I thought, he's got an answer that he's looking for. He's got a particular answer. And there's lots of ways you can answer it, but his way is going to be the only right way today. But finally, I, so I, I said, I don't know how, how Greg. He says, by, he quoted that scripture in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits you shall know them. Now that doesn't give us the right to go around and start judging everyone by what we see, you know, but the point is, eventually, if you've, if you've genuinely given your life to the Lord, at some point, there ought to be some evidence somewhere that you've changed. Because God changes us. Somebody say amen. Yeah, we, we, so... So there's lots of ways you could, but all I'm saying is there's lots of ways you could answer that, but he was looking for a particular answer. Anyway, today I've got a question for you today. And there's lots of ways you can answer it, but I'm going I'm to answer it one way. So and my question is, what, what is our number one responsibility as Christians? Don't just hold on to that and give me about a half an hour or 20 minutes and we'll find out. Praise God. I'll be honest, this is a message I heard Pastor Jensen Franklin preach and struck me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to share it with you because it's a good word. Praise God. Now, open your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 20. Praise the Lord. 1 Kings 20. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. Let me give you a little background on what's going on in in, uh, 1 Kings chapter 20. The last half of that chapter describes a battle between Israel and a a country called Aram, A-R-A-M. And uh, the Israelites defeat the Arameans and their king surrenders. And the Aramean king begs for his life and promises to restore to Israel the cities that they had taken previously. So the king, Ahab, who the wicked king, is married to Jezebel. This is, a, this is a, a very wicked couple. Anyway, Ahab lets him go. And God sends a rebuke to King Ahab for releasing the enemy king. So that's, what, that's, that's, that's what's going on. And I want to start reading in verse uh, 37. Well, I'll pick it up in verse 35 because otherwise it, it, it kind of 
37 says, and he found another man. Well, who's another? Let's, let's look at the first man. Verse 35. Now, a certain man of the sons of the prophets said to, the, to, to another, by the word of the Lord, said to someone else, please strike me. But the man refused to strike him. He said to him, because you have not listened to the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as you have departed from me, a lion will kill you. As soon as he had departed from him, a lion found him and killed him. I guess you should obey God. Then he found another man and said, please strike me. And the man struck him, wounding him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way and disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. As the king passed by, he cried to the king and said, your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man to me and said, guard this man. If for any reason he is missing, then your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. And he hastily took off the bandage from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him, that he was of the prophets. He said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have let, let go out of your hand the man whom I had devoted to destruction. Therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. So the king of Israel went to his house sullen and vexed and came to Samaria. When I re- this, you know, this, this story kind of reminds me of, uh, of when Nathan the prophet came to David. Remember when Nathan the prophet came to David after he had slept with uh, Bathsheba? And had her husband killed, and the and he came and he said, "King, I've got a I've got a story I got to tell you." There was this this poor man had one little ewe lamb, and it was like a, a daughter to him. And the rich man had all these flocks. And someone came to the rich man, and instead of taking and the, instead of the rich man taking one of his, he went and took the one little ewe lamb that that poor family had. And the king got real mad, and he said, "He said that man deserves to die." What was Nathan's response? "You're the man." So he used that, and this kind of a similar thing. This prophet comes and tells the story. You're the man. You're the one that let him go. And so this, this is what we're going to look at today. So I want to look particularly at verse 39 and verse 40. As the king passed by, he cried to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle. Behold, a man turned aside and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If for any reason he is missing, then your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided. So this man comes, he says, Forget everything else. Forget that, you, forget that there's a battle going on. Forget that you are fighting. I have a new assignment for you to guard this man. To guard him, not to forget everything else, guard him and keep him. Don't let him escape. It's the same word that's found in Genesis chapter 2, where God says to Adam, I keep the garden. In the King James, it says keep. To keep means to guard or protect. God gave him the responsibility to guard it and protect it. In this account, a soldier is told to guard a captive. If you don't fulfill this assignment, it'll cost your life 
or a talent of silver. He probably doesn't have a talent of silver, so it's going to cost him his life. And the word literally means to, it means to hedge in with thorns. It doesn't mean just to kind of, you know, put him over there and watch him, but to hedge him in, to put a barrier up, to be sure he doesn't escape, because your life depends upon it. When the battle was over, the man comes back and looks for the captive. And I was reminded, when I, when I read that, it reminded, again, I was reminded of the scripture in Matthew 25, where it says, someone gave his servant, remember the, the man, the man gave the servants talents. One he gave five, one he gave two, one he gave one. And the Bible says they, they did, they worked with it. But after, the Bible says, after a long time he came back and held him accountable. And it's something that, it's something that we have to understand. The man, the man in that t- with the talents, the one, that had, the one that had one, it says he went and buried his talent. And for a long time, there was no consequences. The man was gone for a long time. A lot of times, when we're not walking right, upright with God, we get into compromising our life. You know, it, it, nothing seems to happen for a while. And so you almost think you're getting away with it. When we don't get away with anything with God. And eventually, eventually, the man with the talent had to be accountable for what he'd done. And all, all of us, really, and that's what, that's what kind of keeps me going sometimes. It's, I understand that all of us one day, we're going to be held accountable for what we do. The Bible says we are all, even if you're saved, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds we did in the body while we're on the earth. And I, I, want, I want God to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't care what other people say, I care what God says. And I want him to be pleased with me. I want, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Because I know one day we're all going to be held accountable and I want to, be, I want to, be, I want to receive the reward that I, get, that I have coming. So he comes back and he, he says, where's the man? And he says, he escaped. And now this is, this is a, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is kind of me interjecting. So he gets a little upset. He says, What happened? I, I asked you to do one thing. I asked you to do one thing. Why, why didn't you do it? Were you, did the enemy come to you? Were you overpowered by the enemy? Well, no. Were you sick? Did were you get incapacitated some way? Well, no. I, I just, I got distracted. I got here and there. See, it says, while your servant was busy here and there. I just got distracted doing other things. The man... And he tries to, he try, and, the, and the guy tries to defend himself. I wasn't lazy. I wasn't asleep. I just got busy here and there. And I forgot about guarding the man. If he were, if he were in today's day and age, he'd say, uh, yeah, I'm busy. I, I, I don't have church, time for all this church stuff. I have, a family to, I have a family I need to spend time with. I have children that need my attention. I have a house payment. I have a car payment. We... Yeah, I've got a life to live, and I, need, and, I, and I need some me time. I wasn't doing anything dishonest. I wasn't doing anything illegal or immoral. I was busy. I was just busy. The man, and the man promised me he wouldn't escape. He said he'd stay right where I wanted him. He said, he said it was okay for me to get involved in other things, that he'd stay put. And I got busy, and I forgot to guard this man. So I want to look at it kind of metaphorically and say, who's, who's, the, who's the man who brought the captive? Well, it's Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Who's the man that's supposed to guard it? We are. 
And who are we guarding? Our inner man, our, our, our carnal nature, our old carnality that wants to raise up its head. Every one of us has an assignment that's our primary responsibility, and that is guarding and keeping our inner man, keeping him from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We have to hedge him in. We have to set some parameters. We have to guard him because he's a liar. He'll tell you he won't do something, and he'll do it. If you don't hedge him in, he's crazy. He's a wild man. Your flesh, your flesh, my flesh. See, I'm, I'm preaching to me. My flesh cannot be trusted. You have to hedge him in. This soldier was not a bad man. He was just a busy man. We know, we know we're not supposed to do anything sinful. He wasn't doing anything sinful. He was just busy doing other things. It's kind of like what Jesus taught when he taught about the parable of the sower. He said the seed that was choked fell amongst thorns. Well, what were the thorns? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Just distractions. Things that, I think one of the primary weapons that, that the devil uses against people, is to, Christians, is not to get them into sin, but just to get them busy doing other things. And, ignore, and because we're busy, we don't pray as much as we used to. We get busy, we don't read our Bibles like we used to. We don't, we're, not, we're not in church like we used to be. We're not in any obvious sin, we're just busy. Hebrews chapter 2 uh, warns us about that. It warns us about drifting away. You, know, you drift a little bit, and then you drift a little more, and after a while you, you drift a little more. It's just this imperceptible thing. Next thing you know, you're far from where we used to be. I have to guard this. I'm talking to me. I really am. Because I, I have to guard this man. I have to keep this man worshiping and praising God. I have to keep this man in the word. I have to keep this man in fellowship in church. I tell you, I'll just be honest with you. One, I am very glad that God called me to the ministry because I wouldn't be, I just know, I know I would not be where I am today spiritually if I wasn't in the ministry. Because one of, one of the things that's always been a struggle with me for my during my whole life is self-discipline. But if I know I have something to do, I get it done. So I know I got. I know I got to pray. I know I got to prepare. I know I got to be in the Word. So I do it. But I. I don't know if I'd do it as diligently if I wasn't called to ministry. So I thank God for calling me, because it's it's made a huge difference in my life. I know that. Anyway, that's just a little honesty. Oh, yeah. My number one part. My number one priority is not my children. My, my number one priority is not my wife. It's not my career. You know, my number one priority is to keep keep this man, to keep keep him from giving giving into sinful temptation, keep him into keep him from having bad habits and bad attitudes and abusive speech, keep him from being bitter and unforgiveness. You know, when you stop when you stop to think about it, there's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about what we're responsible to do. There's some things that only God can do. But there's some things that we need to do. And for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 7, Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, discipline, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In 2 Corinthians 7, the apostle Paul says, therefore, beloved, having these promises. What promises? Well, the promises in, just right above it in chapter 6, where it says, come out from among them 
That's another thing the Bible says, talking about the ungodly. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I'll be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. And then it says, therefore, having these precious promises, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. That's something that we have, I have to tell my body, no, you're going you're gonna to do what's right. You're not going to do crazy stuff. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says we're supposed to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against one Something that I do. I say, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna think that way. I'm gonna cast that thought down. In Romans 13, the Apostle Paul said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh with regard to its lust. It's like, wow, that's a tough assignment. Because our flesh wants to, our flesh wants to do crazy things. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you're not like me. I know what I know. I go through. When we get saved, when we get saved, our spirit is saved, but we still have crazy minds and crazy bodies. In in Romans, that's why Paul said in Romans, we need to present our bodies, our living sacrifice. We need to be renewed by the transformed by the renewing of our mind. My mind is. But I, tell, I don't know about you, but I know my mind needs to be transformed. I mean, big time. My mind needs to be, the whole thing, just junk it and start over. I need to wipe out, you know, it's like down, just wipe, wipe the disc clean and get a whole fresh download from God. I know, I know, and I'm still working on that download. I have to keep my body from doing sinful things and keep my eyes from watching things I shouldn't, keep my ears from listening to stuff I shouldn't. You know, Samson, I was thinking about Samson. Samson, from time to time, the Bible says the spirit would come upon him mightily. I mean, he did some amazing things. He was walking somewhere with his parents, and it says a lion came out, and he tore the lion like someone would take a little baby goat and just tear it apart. And his parents, I don't know, his parents would be out of it or something because they they never even saw what was going on. But he killed a lion. And the Bible says he took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand, a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey when the spirit came upon him. But the problem is with Samson, we know, he didn't live, he didn't live in that condition. Then you have, you have times where God comes on you, and then, you, then there's the in-between times. And he blew it in the in-between times. And we all, that's basically where we live, in the in-between times. You, know, you, you, you might have a particular, well, last Sunday... A lot of people came up when Pastor George was here. A lot of people came up for prayer, and they were getting blasted. I mean, God was, they, you know, I, a couple of, couple of, I know there's a couple of people that, that probably never experienced that before, and they, it's like, starts praying for them, the power of God hits you, boom, down you go. It's like, what happened? You know, God hit me. And you, you, you'd like to stay there, but you can't. You don't live there. You live in the in-betweens. You live in the other times. And that's we have to discipline ourselves and watch over what we do. We have to walk like the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. We have to walk circumspectly. My, my Bible says, be careful how you walk. We have to be careful. The greatest thing you can do for your family, the greatest thing a man can do for his family, the greatest thing a wife can do for his family is to live this Christian life before, to be an example of love, of patience, of godliness, of humility. Let them see something. Let them see something in you that's attractive. That's the, I, I want. I want. I want to live my life in such a way that people say, "I want what you want." So you have something that I want. You have. To, you have to be. My greatest desire as a pastor, 
has always been to see people make it to the end. In that scripture in Matthew 24 says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. You know, I, my desire is to see people saved for 20, 40, 60 years. And after that, they're still in church. They're still living for God. They're still on fire for God. For that to happen, we have to keep this man hedged in. Because you can't trust him. He's crazy. You have to keep him living right so you can make it to the end. The only way, the only way, the only one who can make you obey is you. The only one who can make me obey is me. So that's my number one responsibility, to guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have a plan for us. I thank you that we have to participate. We have to yield to your spirit. We have to become the people you've called us to be by allowing your spirit to change us, to mold us, to shape us into the image of God. Thank you for our willingness to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.